Hello awesome people, I hope you all have an awesome day, and as you've probably seen from the title, I have a guest with me today, so I'm sorry for posting a little late this week, but this is a really interesting episode and I really look forward to sharing it with you guys. So as a trigger warning, this episode does contain some details of depression, bullying, and suicide. So today I'm here with Brian. And so we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety and depression and quite a lot about his books and his work. So Brian, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me here. Uh, Honored to be here, honored to uh, share some of the stories and experiences with some of your listeners. Uh, I'd like to say that I am really just a dude, like a guy who has been through some of the same things that people listening to this podcast will have been through. Um, but if I wanted to talk about my background a little bit, I am the author and owner of Get Out of Your Head, which is a website and book series that seeks to help folks overcome anxiety and depression. So I do that through a, a myriad of different ways, right? I've got two books out, one on anxiety, one on depression. I have a blog that I contribute to regularly, and then I go on podcasts uh, like the the one that we're on right now. So first, I want to talk about your books. So what inspired you to really write about, like write a book about mental health? Yeah, this is a good question. I think it's kind of funny because I look back a little bit and I think to myself, like when I actually wrote the book, the first one, or when I got started on it, I was like a little bit naive, right? I kind of said to myself, like, oh, I was going through a lot of anxiety uh, throughout the the 10 years prior to that. And I had finally made a decent amount of progress. And I came up with these strategies for myself that I was actually putting into practice. Um, And when I was using them, they were alleviating a lot of my anxiety, or at least, you know, mitigating it um, to a, a decent degree. And I just felt I felt so relieved in a way that I had finally made progress on this thing that I had dealt with so mightily or struggled with so mightily for so many years that I, I really wanted to present that information to other folks and help them overcome some of the battles that they had gone through. Um, you know, I think one of the things when I say like, maybe I was a little naive was at that time, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, right? The, the go Speaking to the idea of like, I'm just a guy who, uh, you know, talks about his experiences and, and, uh, relays some of the strategies that he's come up with, you know, somebody might say to me like, Hey, why are you writing a book on the subject? You're not a doctor. You're not a clinician, something like that. And I guess at the time I just kind of had this, like this irrational sort of confidence where I was like, you know, this was so helpful for me, all the stuff that I'm going to talk about that I feel the need to share it with the world, even though like, you know, I was, because I was so confident in it, I was almost overlooking the fact that like, there's, you know, thousands, millions of doctors out there um, who are much more well-versed in this stuff than I am, um, who have, you know, spent years studying it, treating different clients and things like that. So it was sort of just, um, in some way, it's, it's, it's almost if you talk to somebody who starts a business, right? It's like, um, on the other side of having run a business for a long time, somebody may, might say to you, like, I now know how difficult it is, and I wouldn't go do it again. Uh, one of the reasons that people start companies is because they don't know how challenging it can be. And if you have all those ideas in your head, you'd never do it in the first place. So for me, it was sort of that same kind of experience where it was like, if I knew um, you know, how challenging it was to write a book and to get a brand started and whatnot, maybe I wouldn't have done it. Um, but I was just so excited about the progress that I had made um, in my own journey that I wanted to share it with other folks. And you know, even though 
that journey has been difficult along the way, both in terms of like the psychological aspect, as well as, you know, running the business, getting the books out there, sharing the message. Um, it's one of those things that once you get started, you learn some things that kind of keep you going uh, and maybe even alter your course a little bit. But, um, you know, it's like you look back and you say, well, I'm not anywhere close to where I was two years ago, four years ago, something like that. But the progress along the way has maybe altered my journey, but also kept me going. So um, it's definitely been an interesting ride. Yeah, I can like really relate to what you just said, because for me, I created this podcast to firstly, like I like to say that I'm helping people, but honestly, I don't really know. But for me, it has helped me a lot to like talk to people and like for you to write your book, to share your methods. And for me, that's what I'm doing. And like you said, I'm meeting like a lot of like doctors and therapists and like psychologists and some like I met like a football coach and just a lot of different people. And I'm just like a 13 year old girl who's like going, like trying to get past school and fighting through mental health and all that. And the thing about like, the thing that's a little weird about me is like a lot of people has like gone through their mental health journey for quite a while. And like for you, you said like over 10 years, but for me, I'm, I, I think when I really started to struggle with mental health, it was like two or three years ago, but for me, it was like two decades. And sometimes that's why I use my podcast to teach people and to really talk to them and to relate to them. So I feel like what you're doing and your books, they're really great. And I really appreciate you for coming out and to talk to other people about your books and anxiety and depression. Absolutely. And thank you. Um, I would say, um, like, thank you for the compliments, but also thank you for the work that you're doing. I mean, I think that when you look at the mental health space in general, it's, it's sort of futile to put some sort of like label on things of, Hey, I've, I've only done this much work. I've only been doing my podcast for X amount of months, X amount of years. Um, this is at the end of the day, a community, right? We are talking to the community of folks who are suffering through some of these conditions. And so any way that we can contribute to that, um, I think that's really important. And it, it's, it sort of does us a disservice to, to say like, hey, oh, I, I've only done this much, right? It's, it's sort of the same thing of like, I'm, I, I'm kind of using maybe the wrong comparison. I'm not trying to say that mental health is charity or anything like that. But you know, we wouldn't say, oh, I was only able to donate $50 to that organization, right? when somebody else was able to donate a thousand. Um, it's the act itself. It's the fact that we are out here, we care, we're trying to make an impact. And I think you're definitely doing that. Uh, and also one of the other things too, right, is like, we need a lot more resources in uh, the teenage space. And so I think you, uh, you know, you're carving out a niche for yourself where it's like somebody who's 13 might not want to go read a book that was written by a 40 year old doctor, no disrespect to that doctor, but um, they just might not be able to, you know, speak to um, the different subject matters in the right tone. So, um, you know, giving listeners a platform like the one that you're providing here, I think it's it's monumental. Yeah, and I agree with everything you just said, because for me, I'm never going to read like a biography or a book about mental health, like a book with like a doctor wrote with like a lot of medical terms. Like I wouldn't understand that because I'm young and I'm not um, I'm not that smart. So for me, 
I usually just like for other teens like me, we just like go on YouTube, watch videos and go on Netflix and watch movies. So podcasting is a little different because I don't have a lot of friends who listen to pod- who listen to podcasts and teens they don't always listen to podcasts like for I think most of my friends prefer listening to music. And so a lot of my audience, like I'm targeting teens, but a lot of them are also adults that are trying to learn about teens. And I really appreciate that. I really appreciate their, um, their support and how they care about um, like teens. So this brings me onto the next topic and something I'm really interested in, like about your books. It's depression and how I want to know how you got through that and how your books helped you or how your writing helped you. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to give like a little bit of background, but also answer the actual question. I think for me, anxiety and, and it, I think anxiety and depression hit people differently, right? Not only the amount of time, but the degree uh, to which it affects them. Uh, I've always felt as though anxiety for me is mostly specific events on the calendar. So like if I have let's say a public speech coming up that I have to give, like I'm anxious for the amount of time uh, that exists until that event arrives, but I'm usually not all that anxious after that, right? If, if uh, the event that I am considering has passed, then usually my anxiety goes away relatively quickly. And, and that's sort of that. Uh, depression for me has been longer lasting and not necessarily tied to anything specifically. It's sort of um, what I've dealt with in the depression space has been more tied to uh, a term called dysthymia, which is more like low grade depression that lasts for a year, a couple of years, something like that. Um, So, you know, with anxiety, I felt as though if I could learn some strategies, I could get myself out of how I was feeling in the moment because it was most of the, the, my experiences of anxiety were pretty acute. Uh, Whereas depression, it was sort of like this, you know, almost cloud hanging over me sort of thing for a long time. And so that was a little bit more difficult to wade through. But that was also like kind of the the tone that I strike in my second book, uh, which was basically sort of saying like, hey, depression is this really challenging thing um, to fight off or or to get through. Um, But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to present the content in a friendly and supportive way. I'm going to hit you with a lot of different strategies um, that you might be able to implement to maybe make yourself feel a little bit better. Uh, There's also a lot more like philosophy in the second book, just sort of the way that we look at the world, the way that we look at life and approach things. Um, And then, you know, I think in a lot of ways, it's like depression is sort of like, it it really is a battle, right? For folks um, to get out of bed each day, continue to fight on when things don't look so good, Um, especially when like, you know, again, it's, I think for folks, it's, it can sometimes be like a, Hey, I, you know, a specific thing, right. I, I lost a loved one. And for that reason, I am depressed. Um, but I think most of the time it's usually more than that, or a little bit more vague than that. And that that's why it can be so difficult to deal with. Um, and so it, it really becomes sort of this, this all out battle of like, Hey, you know, you, you load up the cannons, you load up the guns and whatever you need to use to help yourself through this battle, you use it. Um, so that was the overall approach of the second book. I'd be happy to jump into, you know, some of the specific ideas, some of the specific strategies, but I think I'll kind of stop there and, uh, and, and let you ask some more questions. Yeah, it's, it's okay. You can ask me questions too, because I don't really see podcasts as like an interview kind of thing. So it's not like me interviewing you. It's just like a conversation. So I really like, I really liked what you said about depression, because for me, I also went through like, 
I don't know if you call it, call it like a phase, but it's been like two years and sometimes there's like some highs and some lows and there wasn't really a specific type of like problem, like a specific problem that caused my depression. And it just really came out of nowhere and it got really bad at the start. But then afterwards, it kind of like it was just like what you said, like a cloud over your head and it was a cloud over my head and it wasn't that bad but it was just like always there something like bothering me so like a really interesting question I've been like thinking about is I want to ask you um for you what was the most painful thing about depression yeah that's um it's a tough question like as we were talking about earlier you know before we jumped on the podcast here uh nothing is off limits I'm happy to talk about anything specifically um my, my own journey was sort of like something of like a quarter life crisis, just understanding that like life is short. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're all mortal, right? We're all going to die one day. Um, and sort of like this overwhelming sort of it all hit me at once of like I had uh, read a bunch of literature on climate change. Um, I, I had lost my grandmother. Uh, I was in a situation, a, you know, a job situation where you know, I thought that when I got this job, everything would be amazing. Um, and then I found myself in that job and I actually didn't like it whatsoever. And so it was sort of all these forces coming together at once that made me feel hopeless, I guess. And it was that hopelessness that was really, you know, the most difficult part of the depression. I think in general, I sort of describe or define depression as hopelessness and helplessness, right? It's sort of this, this feeling of like, and, and that's why it feels so bad, right? Is, um, it would be one thing to be like, Hey, I'm in pain right now, but the pain is going to go away. Uh, when you are depressed, whether it's, it's true or not, what your mind is telling you is that nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to get better. Maybe even your brain is telling you that this entire thing that you're dealing with, like, you know, your entire life, uh, is hopeless is meaningless or something like that. Right. And so it's, it was those thoughts and beliefs that were really pervasive for me and really challenging. There were days where it was like, I was just so far in my own head and it was difficult to wade through those things. Um, but I think again, kind of coming back to the idea of depression being a battle, right? Like showing up each day, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort and courage. And I think, um, just methodically and slowly and continually applying some of the strategies um, that help you ward off depression. I think that's how you eventually get through it. It's not always, you know, the cleanest and prettiest thing in the world, but um, you do keep going. Yeah, because depression, like you said, it's not clean and everything's really messy. And it's also associated with a lot of different disorders. And for me, that's um, anxiety. And um, I have social anxiety and bipolar and those two, like, and depression mixed together. It's kind of messy. And like um for a lot of teens like me and my friends who have depression there's like a lot of self-harm like which is really common in teens and a lot of like suicidal thoughts and suicidal like like some like for a lot of people they attempt a suicide and that is like what you said a really big feeling of hopelessness and for me usually I'm just really tired like I don't want to get out of my bed and Sometimes I just want to sleep all day and not move and not take showers and not go clean myself and not eat. And so that's what for me is really different, like to physical disorders and physical illnesses, because physical illnesses, people can help, but 
depression. Sometimes you feel like people can't really see it. And when you tell them, you feel like you're attention seeking. So I just think um, depression is really not a clean thing. And so I really like I can really relate to everything you're saying. And uh, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, it's definitely not clean. I think one of the things that I talk about in the second book is the notion that like we know how we feel, right? I'm sure there is somebody on the planet who may say they are depressed to seek attention. Mm-hmm. Maybe one person, maybe a few people, right? But I think for the most part, right? It's like we if if somebody's dealing with depression, like I think you have to you have to believe them, right? And you have to say like this understand this is probably really difficult for them, right? Um, again, I'm not a clinician, but I sort of approach these things as if I were uh, a psychiatrist, just being able to you know, get into the mind of that person and, and have some empathy for them and understand what they're feeling. It, it, it is really terrible um, that we lose folks to mental health disorders, including depression. And I think that just speaks to how serious um, the struggle is, right? It's, it's, it does break my heart to hear of you know, not not just teenagers, I'd say anyone, but but specifically teenagers to uh, to hear that, you know, they see things as so hopeless that they don't want to live anymore. Um, and, and and again, I mean, it's it's not it's not casting judgment. It's that is sort of part and parcel for depression itself. But it's also again, it is it is heartbreaking to hear that sort of stuff. I think to anyone who is listening, just just know that, um, you know, you're not alone. There are other people going through um, uh, what you're, you're going through right now. And that doesn't necessarily like, you know, it's not to downplay it, not to say like, Hey, everybody's going through what you're going through. So suck it up or anything like that. It's, it's actually the complete opposite, right? It's, it's saying like, Hey, you may feel as though you're, you know, your current state is hopeless and things will never get better. Um, but in reality, and this is one of the reasons I love like data and science and statistics is there are a lot of folks out there actually like, you know, one in five, people uh, across the US will um, suffer from depression at some point in time. And a lot of those folks will actually, uh, you know, they'll, they'll recover from what it is that they're experiencing. So it's sort of like being able to get the perspective that, you know, this too shall pass, right? What I'm experiencing today could be fleeting. It could, uh, it, I mean, it could also last a year, a couple of years, something like that, but you could get through it. And I think also one of the difficult things with being a teenager is, you know, your body is changing, right? You have all these hormones coursing through you and whatnot. And sometimes like your body creates a, you know, a, um, a, a, uh, I guess a chemical cocktail, right? Where it's like, we have no idea what's going on. We feel awful because our bodies are growing and changing. Yeah. And so it's like, just to remember to, to give yourself some time and uh, be patient with, with yourself as difficult as that can be. Yeah. Because for teens, my, hormones are crazy and I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm like out of control most of the time and I'm just running around and being like a stupid teenager and everything and that's like it really relates to um depression because like like you said um even though like some people might be doing it for attention but at the end of the day most of like most people aren't doing it for attention and it's something that really hurts and um when someone like like you said like when you hear about people's stories about people losing their lives to depression and other mental disorders and especially teens it's really heartbreaking and for me it always hurts me a lot when I hear about teens especially ones that are younger than me 
because I've heard about like nine-year-olds, 11-year-olds, and I mean like eight-year-olds, they're so young and like they don't even know a lot about the world yet and they're here worrying about like these huge problems. And even for me, I don't think like 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, I don't think like so why, why is there like a huge majority of teens facing this mental health problem? It, sh- it shouldn't even be this many teens facing this problem because like being a teen itself is already really challenging and it's the same for any other age there's there's always challenges and mental health is is just like this challenge like on the side and it's so hard and so painful and it takes so much effort to go through it and like you said it's always like at the end of the day like trying to beat depression is just like holding on to the hope that there will be an end but for a lot of people there wasn't and and it hurts for a lot of people. And that's why it hurts me to see a lot of people in that situation and especially their families too, because it could have been me. It could have been my parents that were like at my funeral. And I'm like, I could have succeeded like an attempt. And for like the other kids who have succeeded, like it really hurts for me to really think about them and to think about what they had to go through. Yeah. It- I mean, a lot to cover there. Um, it again, it just to stress, like it really is heartbreaking to to think about some of the things that you talked about, to hear about really young kids struggling. Um, I think at the same time, it's important to acknowledge the fact, right? Like I always at thinking, uh, you know, kind of taking this this mindset of thinking as if I were a clinician, even though I'm not. I always want to give proper weight to the experience that someone uh, is having. I think, especially when we look at teenagers, middle school students, like that age, that age is tough. Like it's really difficult. I'm not going to lie. Kids are mean, you know, you go to school every day, kids can be so critical of one another, just like downright rude, brutal. Um, I, you know, I have some young cousins where I've heard of stories where maybe not them, but their friends will get picked on in school and then they'll go home and, you know, feel as though, hey, I'm out of school. I'm not going to get bullied anymore. Uh, When in reality, you know, there's now sort of these these trends growing where um, kids get on social media after school. And if, you know, someone who's being bullied doesn't show up uh, to social media when they get home, they'll get bullied even more when they get to school the next day. And then if they do go on social media, the bullying continues there. And so it's like sort of this catch 22 where damned if you do damned, if you don't. And uh, yeah, just again, you know, really want to say like, it's, it can be very difficult to be a teenager. Um, Again, not only is your body changing a lot, but your peers are changing too. Right. And there's a lot of uncertainty and again, kids are just downright mean. And it's not to say that like, you know, that, that any one period of our lives is necessarily easier or harder than another, but that is definitely a particularly challenging point in our lives. And I think it's um, just to, again, remember that things will change, things will eventually get better, but it's also giving some, some gravity to the, the, that experience of, you know, being a teenager and, and how much uncertainty and angst comes with that situation. Yeah. And your point about like bullying, essentially, um, it's tough because like now with social media and like um in the US like for TikTok and for um Instagram and all the other types of social media like kids now are getting like 
cyberbullied and bullied online and not just in school. And for me, I'm pretty lucky to be in quite a good school with like um pretty good kids and nice kids. But a lot of other schools, like kids are just really, really mean and and um bullying, it's just like a huge problem. And a lot of kids who have been who are bullying other kids, like the bullies have been like bullied themselves. And that's just like a cycle. And it's and we're like basically we're all just waiting for like the bullies to really stop bullying other people and for the victims to not become bullies because in many cases I've seen like um like younger kids like your ones and your twos like the when they were bullied and when they got older and when they were like in your six and in middle school and high school they bullied the younger kids because they had to like release the anger that they had stored up since they were really low and so like for for me that really it's really important like I've always been thinking about it to like stop bullying and in all schools and like not only for this like for teens but also for like older kids and like because it's happening everywhere and for a lot of different kids and a lot of different ages so it's just really important to just really stop that trend yeah for sure and I think you touch upon a really important thought which is the idea that you know somebody who is inflicting pain upon others they are either projecting an emotion that they are feeling inside of themselves or they are dealing with anger, insecurity, vulnerability. They are, you know, they're trying to make sense of difficult emotions in ways that are really unhelpful and, you know, downright harmful, but it's remembering that, right. Is even though it might not, you know, if you're being bullied in the moment, it might not necessarily get you anywhere, but like being able to step back and say like, Hey, this is this person, they might be doing this because they hurt themselves. And having that insight to be able to say like, you know, this, my bullier is, is still just human. Right. Um, And maybe there's something that they're dealing with that they don't even, they don't even know. And it's, again, it's sort of hard to act on, but I I, I think I'm not real. I'm not not trying to say we should have compassion for bullies because they're mean and they stink. Um, But at the same time, right. It's like understanding that there might be something that they're not dealing with. And uh, you know, again, it's not going to necessarily, it's not always going to help us in the moment, but understanding that in time, that person is going to have to atone for what it is that they're dealing with. Um, and, you know, maybe down the road, you know, you hear of stories all the time where you go to a high school reunion or something like that. And somebody who, you know, used to be the class bully comes around and is, is, is sort of, I don't know, figured it out for themselves. Right. And they come back and they're a nice person and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I used to do that stuff to, to you guys all the time. I guess just sort of, you know, having the, I, th- I think the important thing, the, 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 the distinction to make that can be helpful there is to say, like, this person might be bullying me for reasons that they don't even understand. And it might not necessarily be an attack on me, right? It might not, I might not need to take this and say, like, I'm being bullied because I'm a loser, because uh, I'm unworthy or something like that. It could have everything to do with the bully. Yeah, because, like, I agree with everything you're saying, because bullies, usually they have experienced the exact same thing. and they're facing problems that like um the victims doesn't know about and the like like you said like I'm not trying to be like I'm really nice to the bullies and like thinking they're really good humans but 
um, of course, they're doing a bad thing, like bullying kids, and that's really simple. But to also think about how they were also hurt in a way, and that's like the only way to stop bullying is to also help the bullies and to also help the victims and to help both sides. And so I, I'm really glad you talked about this topic. And so before we end, I like to have a conversation about your books because um, you mentioned previously that you wanted to share like some points in your books. So if you want to do that, you can talk about your books. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I, I do have a little bit of construction noise in the background here. Um, so sorry if you hear any of that. Not yeah, we could, co- yeah, we could cover the... Uh, sorry, go ahead. I, I just don't hear any noise. It's okay. So okay. awesome. Mute yourself, it's okay. Yeah, well, we, we have about five or eight minutes. So uh, I think, you know, we could jump into book one quickly, um, just because I think that there are some some quicker takeaways that we'd be able to cover in the time that we do have left. So my first book is called Get Out of Your Head, a toolkit for living with and overcoming anxiety. And the book itself, you know, I think that that word toolkit is really important, or at least I stress it a lot, which is um, what I mean when I say toolkit is like the first book itself is it's a compilation of all the different strategies that I had come up with for dealing with anxiety at that point in my life. And so the, the notion is that I'm going to throw all those ideas at you or at the reader. And rather than have that person say, well, um, you know, I don't like this book because I didn't agree with all of these strategies. I come out and I say, the idea is to put all of these techniques uh, on the page and present them to you in a way that you can digest them in a comfortable fashion. And then you can process them and say, hey, you know, I liked this strategy. I liked that one. Uh, I didn't like this one so much. This one wasn't as helpful for me, things like that, right? And then at the end of the day, take those strategies that you've identified and put them into your proverbial mental health toolkit. And then that way, you know, the next time you find yourself in an anxious situation, you can say to yourself, okay, I identified those four strategies from Brian's book that I liked. And right now I think I'm going to try out, you know, this one, I'm going to try out this other one. Um, Number one, I think different strategies work for different folks. And then number two, different techniques work better in certain situations than others. So um, that's the idea of the book. I, I think in, you know, to give folks some, some, content that they could potentially walk away from this podcast with uh, and implement immediately. Uh, do you want to jump into one or two of those techniques? Uh, sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, I have this, you know, in the first, in this first book, in the first half of it, I have this framework that I call the 10 steps to getting out of your head. And it's basically just like a simple 10 part, um, you know, list or checklist that you can walk through in order to uh, mitigate in the moment fear when it arises. So why don't we just jump through one or two of those? I can quickly describe them, leave a minute for any questions, and then and then we can wrap up. Okay. Cool. So, um, you know, I, I could, you know, there's so many, I, I love them all kind of equally, or I, I enjoy them. Uh, but I think, why don't we start with uh, step number five? So that's recite a powerful mantra. So uh, for folks listening, if you're not familiar with mantras, they're basically just short, empowering phrases. So for example, right, like saying to yourself, everything is going to be okay. That that could be a mantra. Um, another one could be like, you know, uh, I am capable of everything that I want to achieve in life or something 
something similar. So I give a few examples in the book. If you if you want to pick up the book and check them out, feel free to do that. Um, but the, the general idea is to come up with a few of these phrases and then use them when you're feeling stressed. So, uh, you know, let's say we're going to take a math test and we're not, you know, we're not feeling uh, confident in our abilities. We're feeling anxious, something like that. Uh, your mantra could be like, I'm going to perform well on this exam or uh, I'm good at math. And, and it the so the I guess the the concept behind a mantra is it, it allows us to get out of our heads to get uh, to get away from overthinking by giving our minds something else to focus on. So rather than saying to ourselves, oh, my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to do. What if I what if I do poorly? Like uh, I'm seeing myself in the exam room. I'm really nervous, something like that. We really just need a quick distraction. Yeah. Um, and so reciting a mantra gives us that distraction, allows us to put our focus elsewhere, right? To put our, uh, our focus on the words that we've come up with for ourselves. Um, and then uh, let's see, I guess let's also quickly cover step eight. So step eight in this list uh, says, get back to the present moment. And so there's a bunch of different ways that we could become present, right? Like we could, uh, we could do some deep breathing. We could go into, do a, into a meditation session, something like that. But the general idea is that when we're feeling anxious, we are typically thinking about something that has yet to occur, right? We're saying, oh, I have that math test next week. And because I have it, I'm nervous right now. I'm thinking about how I'm going to perform. I'm thinking about failing, receiving a poor grade, something like that. Um, so reminding ourselves to get back to the present moment uh, tells us, like, okay, we are not in that exam room right now. I know it's off in the distance and it's sort of scary, but what am I doing right now, right? I may be hanging out with my friends. I may be recording a podcast, cooking dinner, something like that. So it's a reminder to shift our focus back to the here and now uh, and to the degree that we can, you know, forget about some of those scary things hanging off in the distance. Yeah, I will definitely try out like your methods because I also like, um, for me, I like talking to myself, like, especially like in front of a mirror and talking to myself. Like I used to find it a little weird, but then it does help. So I'll definitely like try your methods out. So like for my podcast, like for me, when I first started, it was for me to like talk about my problems because I recorded some a long time ago, like four or five years ago when I first like had like low problems and I just added an intro and an outro. And I was like, oh, this is a podcast. But then I started like looking through websites and I realized like how big of a community podcasting is. So like for all of my listeners, like whether if it's like you writing a book or like recording a podcast, like a, just helping yourself and helping others, it's always worth it. So um, Brian, thank you so much for being here and like adjusting to like the 12 hour time difference and scheduling the call with me. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, thank you for having me. I uh, just want to reiterate, like, you know, what you're doing, helping teenagers with, you know, mental health disorders, uh, you know, even if you impact two people, 10 people, a thousand people, the, the number doesn't matter so much. Your intentions are amazing. And I think the fact that um, you are getting out there and talking about these things yourselves, uh, yourself, I think it's going to help not only you, but, but a lot of folks in the future. Um, and I, I just commend you for that. It's, uh, it's really admirable. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. So as usual, before we end this, I would like to say to remind you to please reach out for help. Please talk to a trusted adult if you're feeling down or unwell. You can also call crisis hotlines. And if you're in an emergency, please call your local emergency services. Of course, you can talk to me for a chat or for some teenage advice, but I'm not trained and not professional, so I would suggest talking to an adult or a professional in this area first. Please do not hesitate to seek help.
before we finish this episode i would like to say thank you for listening and if you're listening on spotify you can add your suggestions feedback in my instagram bio and i've also started preparing for an episode where i will read out your confessions and any questions you have on mental health so if you would like to submit one please go to my website which you could see on my podcast bio in all my platforms i am live on And lastly, if you're interested about my guest episodes, please go to my website to find more information on that. So I hope that helps. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to my other episodes and I hope you have an awesome day. Bye!